I flapped my leathery wings and fired my echolocation bursts and flew just inches above the rocks. The bat's echolocation sense created a sort of picture, like a sketchy line drawing with edges all sharp and clear and surfaces just sort of scribbled in. I dived between rocks and rose just millimeters before hitting obstructions. I turned left, right, left, in sudden acrobatic jerks. This is insane! Marco yelled. Insane can mean several things when used by Marco. It can mean stupid, or it can mean fun. I think in this case it meant fun. Because as insane as it was, it was exhilarating. Yeehaw! Rachel yelled, then laughed her feral, dangerous laugh. Soon, it was a sort of precarious game. How close could I fly to the jagged rock edges without ripping a wing or crushing my fragile bat bones in an impact? And it took my mind off darker, muddier thoughts. Then, the exquisitely sensitive bat ears, the ears that could hear the echoes of hypersonic echolocation, heard something new. A hum. A vast, pulsating hum that grew and grew as we flew on. Prince Jake, I believe we are hearing the Andalite sensors, I said. Oh, is that what that is? Cassie remarked. Almost like music. We flew on, low, occasionally scraping on jutting rocks. Then, Whoa, pull up, pull up! Cassie cried. She was in the lead. I shot upward. The blast of dragon beams and shutters was deafening. The flashes were blunting to the bat's eyes. Hork-Bajir, twenty at least, were piling up against a group of three Andalites and two Lyrans. The fighting was intense. It would be over in a few minutes. It would be a slaughter. But Prince Jake had ordered us to stay out of it and I would not abandon him and my human friends again. And yet, a phalanx of taxons was moving in to finish off the wounded Andalites, who had already fallen. To my surprise, it was Cassie who said, Jake, we should do something. Didn't I say we had to stay out of the battles? Prince Jake demanded. Yeah, that's what you said. Tobias answered. So what are we really going to do? Prince Jake hesitated. Then he said, Okay, let's rescue them. Land, demorph, remorph, fast, fast, fast. But before we could land, the entire rock bowl where the Andalites and Liren stood exploded. Kaboom! The shockwave sent me spinning through the air. I landed on my back, half unconscious, deafened, blood in my eyes. And overhead, the yurk ground attack fighter swept by to the hoarse cheering of the Hork-Bajir. A huge clawed foot landed inches from me. Hork-Bajir ran over me, stampeding in a forward rush, ignoring the tiny winged creature that was me. They fired their jacon beams steadily, 
yelling with triumph in their voices. I heard no answering Andalite shredders. The Yurk forces were advancing. The Andalite line was broken. Prince Jake, I called. Tobias! Get in the air! Prince Jake yelled back to all of us. Everyone who can fly, up! Get up! Could I fly? Yes! I rose from the ground just as the first wave of taxons came rushing forward. Taxons are huge, long worms, like earth centipedes, only much larger. Taxons live in a state of eternal hunger. Desperate hunger. They will eat anything, dead or alive. Even their own fallen or injured brothers. I fluttered past an open, questing taxon mouth. I saw a fellow bat flying just a few feet above me. I saw it very clearly. And then, in an instant, it was gone. Simply gone. Where's Tobias? Rachel cried. Tobias! I cried. He... he disappeared! What do you mean he disappeared? Prince Jake demanded. I saw him. I was watching him. And he just disappeared. Now, twenty feet up, I could see more of the battlefield. The line of hork was already far ahead of us. Taxons writhed across the dark landscape below. If there were any Andalites anywhere nearby, they had been destroyed. In my mind, I pictured the tactical display aboard the Ascalon. I could see where we were and where the forces had been arrayed. We've lost, I whispered, not sure if anyone even heard me. We've lost. As if to confirm my grim realization, I saw the engine flares of a dozen or more distant Andalite ships rising from the surface of planet Lyra, rising and running for their lives. Chapter 19 We stood, in our own bodies, amid the filthy, reeking waste the Texans had left behind. We hadn't found Tobias. Rachel was alternating crying and raging. Marco was sitting silent. Cassie was holding on to Prince Jake. And Prince Jake kept pulling away to pace, to mutter to himself, to wonder half aloud what he should have done, what he could have done. I stood off by myself. I couldn't help feeling that I was to blame. I was humiliated. I felt sick. I had turned away from my friends and trusted my own people instead. One of my own people had betrayed us. And the rest of my people. Well, they had probably fought well and bravely, but they had lost. Just like the hork War. We had lost again and condemned another race to slavery under the Yurks. And what a race! The Lyrans were amphibians. They could travel in water or on land, although they built their cities underwater. But the terrifying thing was that the Lyrans possessed limited, but very real, psychic powers. Lyran controllers would be able to see past morphs and into the mind inside. It would be impossible to fool them for long. And if Lyran controllers were ever brought to Earth, their powers would soon reveal the truth of the Animorphs. Not that the Animorphs would ever likely be able to return to Earth. It was Cassie who shook me out of my dark thoughts. In a whisper, she said, Axe, 
I don't think Jake wants to have to ask you again, but what do you think we should do? I don't know. We've lost. We're on a strange planet that will soon be under Yurk domination. We failed the Lyrans, as we failed the hork as we are failing the humans. Past Cassie's head, I saw distant red flares from Yurk ships dropping from orbit to land more and more troops on the continent. Soon the continent would be an impregnable garrison of Yurk forces. Tell me more about the Lyrans, Cassie said. I shrugged. I don't really know any more than you know. They are amphibians. They live primarily in the oceans. Originally, I suppose they came on land to lay their eggs. Now, I suppose their technology allows them to do all that in their underwater cities. So why do they even care about what happens on the land? They wouldn't care. Except that the Yurks can use the continent as a base for attacks against the underwater cities. Other than that, I don't suppose the Lyrans would even... care... what? I stopped breathing. Yes, of course. Of course that would be Galu's plan. What? What is it? Cassie demanded sharply. Prince Jake! I cried. Yeah. We must reach the ocean. If I am right, some Andalites will be in the Lyran cities. In any case, we must get to the sea as quickly as possible. Why? I hesitated. Prince Jake. Jake, you must trust me. We cannot stay on land. We have to reach the water. Prince Jake looked at me for a long time. Okay, he said at last. I trust you. One more thing, I said. If at any time it seems the Yurks may catch us, if it seems they may take me alive, you must not let them. You must destroy me yourself rather than let them take me. Promise me. What? Why? Because I think I know what is going to happen. And if I am right, this defeat will become the greatest victory in Andalite history. And that information cannot fall into the hands of the Yurks. No matter the price. No matter what. Chapter 20 The continent was small by continent standards, but it still took the rest of the night to reach the shore. We morphed birds and flew. We stopped when we were near the two-hour limit and rested. And all the while, I wondered if there was enough time left. We flew above scenes of recent carnage. Burned-out ground skimmers, crumpled andalite fighters, and yurk bug fighters. As the sun rose on Lyra, I looked down and saw a still-smoldering andalite ground attack ship crumpled into a yurk ship. They had hit so hard that you couldn't tell where one left off and the other began. And then, finally, there was the sea. It stretched forever, brilliant blue, far more vivid and bright than the oceans of Earth, which are usually gray. I tried to look around and spot some landmark, some outline of coastline that would seem familiar from my faint memory of the holographic maps. But it was just endless miles of muddy shallows, overgrown with rushes and reeds, and strange yellow trees that swirled horizontally. Big ocean, Rachel said. How do we... How do we what? Prince Jake asked. It took several seconds for us to notice. 
to realize Rachel was gone. Rachel! Cassie cried. Rachel! We searched the sky. Nothing. Not even our powerful raptor eyes could see anything. No clue. No sign. Nothing. What's happening? Marco demanded, angry because he was afraid. She was just here. She was talking. Axe, what is this? Prince Jake asked. First Tobias, now Rachel. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe someone on the ground shot her. Cassie moaned. Oh God, Rachel! Rachel! There was no Dracon Flash, I said. Nothing. One second she was there. The next second she was gone. Maybe it was someone or something on the ground, Prince Jake said. We have to get out of here, into the water. We dove from the sky. I knew no one had fired at us, but I dove as fast as the humans. Whatever was making my friends disappear, it scared me. Whatever it was, I didn't want to be in its sights. Down we dove, wings back. Splash! I went under, plowing into the warm water. I instantly began to demorph. I bobbed to the surface, already more endolite than hairier. The water saturated my feathers, but the feathers were disappearing. I sucked air in through a nasty hole that was part beak and part endolite nose. I dove under again and finished demorphing. I surfaced and found Prince Jake, Cassie, and Marco, all treading water, finishing their own demorphing. Dolphin morph, Prince Jake said. Ox, you'll have to morph your tiger shark. Wait, no, Cassie said. We don't know what's in this ocean, but the Yurks thought hammerhead sharks would be the baddest things around, right? That's why they wanted to create shark controllers to fight in this ocean. We should all go shark. Yeah, good point, Jake agreed. Okay then, let's go shark. And everyone, watch everyone else. We've had two people disappear. We're not going to have a third. Shark, I thought, and began to perform the morph. I should explain the earth creatures called sharks. They are fish. They breathe by extracting oxygen from the water itself, using thin membranes called gills. But there are many fish in Earth's oceans. Only a few are called sharks. Some sharks are pleasant, peaceful eaters of plankton. Others are small and prey only on smaller fish. But there are some sharks that humans call man-eaters. These sharks are swimming-killing machines. If it is possible to imagine a yerk having its own natural body, a body perfectly adapted for the yerk's ruthlessness and destructiveness, the shark would be that body. It has massively powerful jaws, lined with razor-sharp teeth. It has skin that is literally covered in millions of very tiny teeth. Skin that can rip human flesh. And it has an array of senses, each attuned to one thing. Finding prey. Finding and killing. Excellent eyesight. Excellent sense of smell that can detect a handful of blood molecules diluted in a billion gallons of salt water. An electrical field sensor that feels the energy of other living creatures. If some scientist had sat down to design the ultimate seagoing predator, 
the ultimate seagoing biological weapon, and they had come up with the hammerhead shark. He'd be very proud of his work. I felt myself morphing the shark, felt the scythe-like dorsal fins growing from my spine, felt my tail blade split and become the swept-back, skin-slicing tail, felt my stock eyes move out to the sides and become the ugly hammer's head, felt the new senses come alive in my brain, felt the teeth, the rows of serrated, triangular, flesh-ripping, bone-crunching teeth, and I felt the shark's cold, clear, brutally-focused mind join my own. I kicked my tail and moved through the water. Jake, Cassie, and Marco swam beside me. I suppose, like me, they felt powerful at that moment. And it would have felt more powerful still, except for one terrible reality. There should have been six of us. And now, only four sharks swam out into the Lyran Ocean. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and Happy New Year! We did it! We made it through this real dumpster fire of a year. Hopefully, uh, 2021 will be better for everyone, but I am not optimistic. But enough of that. Um, I hope y'all are staying safe out there. Um, and you know, let's just all take a moment to, uh, catch our breath. <sighs> That's nice. Anyway, I don't have too much else to say here, so, uh, you know, all the standard stuff of use Apple Podcasts, you want to leave me a rating or review, uh, I wouldn't hate that. If you, uh, would want to tell a friend, that'd be cool. You can visit my website, theapocalypse.com. So the apocalypse, it's like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, and see all the stuff I do, which is mostly just this and, uh, the rewatch podcast I do with my friend Jesse. Uh, if you want to reach me, you can do that through the aforementioned theapodcalypse.com or through anamorph, excuse me, through audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Don't have anything else to say here, so I will just say, once again, Happy New Year, and I'll see you all in 2021. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.